but we will become doers thereof. And because we're doers of the word, we expect to be blessed because that's what you said in your word. And we give you praise and glory for these things now in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen. Well, I want to continue this morning. Praise the Lord uh, with our study on what manner of man is this? What manner of man was Jesus when he walked the earth? And what manner of man or woman should we be now as his followers, as Christians? Amen. We should be imitating our Lord and Savior. We're called to imitate him. We're called to act like him. And glory to God, when we step out in faith and act like Jesus, we should be expecting to get the same kind of results that Jesus did. How many believe that's so? And so anyway, for time's sake, I want to go back. I'm not going to go back over all we've already covered, but I want to uh, kind of review where we left off the last time we were together talking on this subject. And that's talking about authority. We saw in Revelation chapter one and Revelation chapter five that we have been made kings and priests unto our God. Amen. Everybody in here has been, it's past tense, it's already been accomplished, made a king or a priest unto our God. And then we saw in Romans 5.17 that the very moment we receive Jesus Christ into our hearts as our personal Lord and Savior, we receive God's overflowing grace and his free gift of righteousness. And we can now reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Every one of you as royalty, every one of you as a king or a queen should be reigning in this life. Well, how does a king or a queen rule? We looked at this and we, we, we went over this. A king or a queen simply rules with words. They speak forth what they desire and it gets done. And the Bible actually says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, where the word of a king is, there is power. There is power and there is authority. And then we saw in Job 22, you shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. Did you hear that? You shall decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. Let me just take a real quick moment and say this. One of the biggest areas I think a lot of Christians miss it in is understanding the power of your words. Did you hear what I just said? I think that if we really got a revelation of what our words mean and how important what we say from our mouth, how important that is to our lives, we would be saying a whole lot more, uh, more different. Is that the right English language? Am I speaking right? We would be speaking differently than we do. Because the Bible says in, in Proverbs 18 that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Which means that your words are either going to speak forth life or your words are going to speak forth death. How many want death in your life? How many want destruction in your life? How many want your life in shambles? How many, how many want to live in, in, in abject poverty and, and, and live in failure and defeat? How many of you guys want to be sick and broken, disgusted? I don't see anybody in here. And yet, what are you saying from your mouth? What are you speaking out of your mouth? You know, one thing that I think what happens is, 
is that the natural reasoning is what I say really doesn't matter that much. I mean, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. I know that one of the things that I know in James and Riley have, they know this to be true, is I, I, I and I, I've actually, actually said this once after I got up here and kind of got on to them about saying it, is the word, now they use this word to mean something different than what it means. Sick. Oh, that's sick. Well, what that means is now it means that's cool, that's good, that's great. That ain't what sick means. Sick means, you know, people in the hospital not going so hot. Sick means to a lot of people, death. Are you listening to me? Our words matter. Everybody say, my words matter. And as a king and a queen, you're called to use your words to speak forth what you desire. And if you learn to do that, speak forth what God says about you. How many of you have ever heard of confessing the word? It's the Bible. We're called to confess what the Bible says. We're called to speak over our lives what's in here. And if you learn to say what's in here instead of what you feel or what you see, what's going to end up happening is you're going to find life coming into your life. You're going to be surrounded with good things. Amen. It might not happen overnight. It might take some time. But stop and think about how many years have you been speaking death over yourself? How many years have you given voice to the negativity? And aligned yourself with what the devil wants to have happening in your life? How many years? And people think that all of a sudden, I'm going to try this out for a day. And then they let go of it. That's not the way it works. You know the Bible says the, the, that, that we are called to live by faith. Not just a try faith. We're called to live by it. Every single day you're called to live by faith. And part of the process of living by faith is confessing the word of God out of your mouth. Amen. Everybody with me this morning. If we really believe what we're reading here, what I've been sharing with you, as royalty, your words matter. Your words matter. The, the word of a king, where the word of a king is, there is power. One translation says there is power and authority. Job 22 once again says, you shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. So as divine royalty which you are now, if you're a Christian, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Did you hear that? As sons and daughters of the Most High God, we are called to rule and reign and exercise our authority here in this earth through our words. Everybody with me? And so what we've done, we've looked at examples of Jesus operating in authority while He walked the earth. And we, we've seen that when He did so, He did so by simply speaking forth words of faith. In Mark chapter 4, we saw how Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. And the wind and the waves obeyed him and calmed down and were peaceful. We saw in Mark 11 in Matthew 21 how Jesus spoke to the fig tree. 
And it dried up from the roots. And then Jesus turned around and said, hey, you can not only do what I just did to that fig tree, you can also speak to this mountain and tell it to be removed and to be cast into the sea. Not doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say in your heart. You will have whatever you say, which means you can speak to those seemingly impossible situations and tell them to be removed. And you don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you say. You're going to have what you say. That's your words. Those are words. Words. Glory to God. I love, I love when I heard, got, I heard someone say this. How can you possibly speak to a mountain and tell it to be removed? Because that mountain was created with words. Hello? God said it, and it was. But glory to God, when that mountain's in our way, and it's hindering our lives, and it's causing upset in our lives, and it's keeping us from fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives, we can tell it to go, and it has to obey us. Why? Because we're royalty. We're children of God. Amen. Glory to God. All right, I'm getting excited again. How about you? Matthew chapter 8. We saw where the centurion, a man who understood authority as a soldier, simply told Jesus to speak the word and his servant would be healed. In other words, he recognized that just as he had authority over soldiers that were under him, Jesus had authority over sickness and disease and only needed to speak a word and his servant would be healed. And how did Jesus respond to that? The Bible tells us that he marveled at his faith. And he said he had never seen such great faith, not even in Israel. And so he tells this centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Friends, Jesus simply did what? Spoke a word. Spoke a word. And it came to pass. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this morning, I'm going to go over a bunch of scriptures. How many know that that's what's going to change your life? Getting the word in you. That's how faith comes, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. But I want you to be paying attention to the scriptures and the sets of scriptures we're going to be going over. Why? Because I want you to see how Jesus operated in authority. And you're going to notice in these different examples that when he does so, he does so by simply speaking words. John 4, this is the healing of the nobleman's son. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to Jesus And implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then 
And he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. How did Jesus heal this young man? Words. He spoke words. He didn't go lay hands on him, did he? He wasn't anywhere near that young man. Yet he spoke what this nobleman was believing God for, and it came to pass. Glory to God. Mark chapter 1. I love this uh, uh, example in the Bible. This is the healing of a leper. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing... You can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. Verse 42. As soon as he had what? Spoken immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, I know in this case. That Jesus stretched out his hand and touched this leper, didn't he? I believe the reason he did this is to show his authoritative freedom over the law which prohibited prohibited such physical contact with leprosy. You aren't supposed to be anywhere near leprosy. And Jesus, out of his compassion and out of his love and in the position of authority he was standing in, he reached out and touched him anyway to show them that, hey, Your religion doesn't keep God's healing virtue from coming to pass. But notice what happens is, is that Jesus then spoke to him. He spoke to this man. First of all, declaring that he was willing to heal him. Now, when Jesus speaks out that those words, it should give us great joy. Now, why? Because Jesus came to demonstrate to us the unchanging will of God for all men for all time. So when Jesus said, I am willing to that leper, he was basically saying, I am willing to every one of us who ever go to him in need of healing. Amen. This, where this leper was here, where this, le- this leper came to him says, if you are willing, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. This is where most Christians are today. They believe that Jesus can heal them. They just don't know if Jesus is willing to heal them. They don't know for whatever reason, it may not be God's will for them to be healed. And I tell you what, that gets brought up all the time with people. I just don't know if it's God's will. If it be thy will, Lord. Jesus answers the question right here. Now, you might be saying to yourself, how do you know that's just not for this one individual? Because, again, the Bible brings out the fact that God is no respecter of persons. If God did it for this person, God's going to do it for that person. Plus, Jesus said once again, I am willing. Basically, he's speaking as the Father right then because he's declaring the will of God. Everybody getting this? I am willing. I am willing. I know you can heal me, Lord. I don't know if you're willing. I am willing. I am willing. And then what did Jesus say? What that leper had come to him for, be cleansed. Be cleansed. 
And immediately, once he had heard that, what he had said, immediately the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. Glory to God. Now, Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. This is the man with the withered hand. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? So they're trying to entrap Jesus. Because you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. You're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, Jesus said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he, speaking of Jesus, did what? Said to this man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. I don't know what this man's hands looked like. However, in my mind's eye, when I'm hearing the word withered, I'm not thinking this man's hand looked real good. I'm thinking this man's hand was probably, it was all ate up. What was that? Uh, uh, what is that called? What's the disease? Huh? 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 Par- paralyzed or what's the other? It wasn't leprosy. It's not the word. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is this. Just stick with me. The, the, the bottom line is his, his hand is like this. It looks nasty. It doesn't look good. And he can't use it. I mean, you know he probably can't use it. And Jesus just looks at him and says, stretch out your hand. Boop. Boop. The man stretches out his hand and he's healed. Glory to God. He didn't go to the Father and pray, did he? He didn't lay hands on him, did he? He simply spoke words. He stood in the authority that he had and said, stretch out your hand. Boop. There goes the man's hand. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 4. I like this one. This is the man with an unclean spirit. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet. Doesn't need a demon preaching the gospel. Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Verse 36, this is where I wanted to get to. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. With authority and power, he speaks To the demons and they come out. With authority and power. He speaks to the demons and they come out. Everybody see that? He doesn't go to the Father, does he? He speaks to those demons and they come out. Luke 4, 38 and 39. 
This is the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And I mentioned this a little bit uh, the last time I ministered along these lines. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. And they made a request of him concerning her. Hey, Jesus, my mother-in-law, she's now feeling too hot, man. We really need her to get up because she can really cook that chili. She's a good cook and I'm hungry. Will you go lay hands on her? And the Bible says he stood over her and prayed to the Father. Father God, will you please heal this woman if it be thy will? Is that what Jesus did? The Bible says he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever. I don't think you get that. He, he, Jesus spoke to the fever. He rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and cooked the chili and served them. Glory to God. He, it, it doesn't say he prayed to the Father for her to be healed. It doesn't say that he laid hands on her. It simply says he rebuked the fever. He rebuked the fever. When you have a child dealing with sickness or disease or a grandchild or somebody else you know, rebuke the fever. Tell it it has to go in the name of Jesus. Do you see that this day? Glory to God. I think, are you seeing the pattern here? What is Jesus doing in every one of these examples? He's demonstrating to us how to exercise our authority in the earth today. He's demonstrating to us how to rule and reign in life. Glory to God. He simply spoke a word in faith and it came to pass. Where the word of a king is, there is power and authority. He shall declare a thing and it shall be established unto you. But that's Jesus, Pastor Dan. Of course, he can do it. He's the son of God. He could do that. I could never do that. And you never will with that attitude. Did you hear me? You never will with that attitude. As I've said over and over and over again, if Jesus did what he did as God, then there's absolutely no way we could ever do what he did. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus didn't do what he did when he was here on this earth as God. He did what he did as a man anointed by the Spirit. He did what he did by faith. He did what he did as a man exercising his authority in the earth. And because we are anointed with the same Holy Ghost, hallelujah, and because we can operate in the same kind of faith because we've got God's Word and because we have been now given that authority to operate in this earth today we can expect to do exactly what jesus did whoo glory to god see when when this gets down inside of you when this begins to echo off the walls of your heart something's going to happen in you something's going to change in you you're going to say 
mm, devil, you better not come and mess with my children. You better not come mess with my family. You better not come mess with me. I have been empowered by Almighty God. I have, been in, I have the faith of God operating in my heart. Glory to Jesus Christ. I have the authority to rebuke you, and you have to listen to me. Woo! You think that might change your life if that really became real to you? I want this to become real to every one of you in this room. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. The bottom line is, is if you have been born again, you have the legal right to do this very, these very things. Hallelujah. Now, I want to read something to you real quickly. Hallelujah. Jesus exercises authority over sickness and disease, over devils and demons, over the wind and the waves, over everything else in the earth. And as his followers, as believers, were called to do the very same thing. He delegated his power to you and me. He delegated his authority to you and me. Hallelujah. And my friends, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you with everything that's in me, all the heaven is backing us up. Now let me read this story to you. If you have not ever read this book, I strongly recommend it to you. This is Brother Hagin's uh, The Believer's Authority. And I want to share this story of a, a vision that Jesus had. Excuse me, a, G- a vision that Brother Hagin had with Jesus. In 1952, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to me in a vision. And talked to me for about an hour and a half about the devil, demons, and demon possession. At the end of that uh, vision, an evil spirit that looked like a little monkey or elf ran between Jesus and me and spread something like a smoke screen or dark cloud. Then this demon began jumping up and down, crying in a shrill voice, yakety yakety yak, yakety yakety yak. I don't know if it sounded like that, but <laughs> I couldn't see Jesus or understand what he was saying. Now, through this entire experience, Jesus was teaching me something. And if you'll be attentive, you'll find the answer here to many things that have troubled you. I couldn't understand why Jesus allowed the demon to make such a racket. I wondered why Jesus didn't rebuke the demon so I could hear what he was saying. I waited a few moments, but Jesus didn't take any action against the demon. Jesus was still talking, but I couldn't understand a word he was saying. And I needed to because he was giving instructions concerning the devil, demons, and how to exercise authority. I thought to myself, doesn't the Lord know I'm not hearing what he wanted me to? I need to hear that. I'm missing it. I almost panicked. I became so desperate, I cried out, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, I command you to stop. The minute I said that, the little demon hit the floor like a sack of salt, and the black cloud disappeared. The demon lay there trembling, whimpering, and whining like a whipped pup. He wouldn't look at me. Not only shut up, but get out of here in Jesus' name I commanded. He ran off. The Lord knew exactly what was in my mind. I was thinking, why didn't Jesus do something about that? Why did he permit it? Jesus looked at me and said, now listen, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. I couldn't have. That came as a real shock to me. It astounded me. I replied, Lord, I know I didn't hear you right. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? He replied, no. 
If you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. I went through this four times with him. He was emphatic about it, saying, no, I didn't say I would not. I said I could not. I said, now, dear Lord, I just can't accept that. I never heard or preached anything like that in my life. I told the Lord, I don't care how many times I saw him in visions. He would have to prove this to me by at least three scriptures out of the New Testament. Because we're not living under the old covenant. We're living under the new. Now, I don't know about you, but that right there would take boldness. How many know that's true? But how many know the Bible also says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so Jesus smiled sweetly at him and said, he would give me four. I said, I've read through the New Testament 150 times and many portions of it more than that. If that's in there, I don't know it. Jesus replied, son, there's a lot in there you don't know. He continued, not one single time in the New Testament is the church ever told to pray that God the Father or Jesus would do anything against the devil. In fact, to do so is a waste of your time. The believer is told to do something about the devil. The reason is, is because you have the authority to do it. The church is not to pray to God the Father about the devil. The church is to exercise the authority that belongs to it. The New Testament tells believers themselves to do something about the devil. Now get this, the least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. That's powerful. And unless believers do something about the devil, nothing will be done in a lot of areas. We believe that certain people have power. No, Jesus said the least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. And when we start believing that, that's when we're going to get the job done. Jesus continued, I've done all. Now get this. I've done all I'm going to do about the devil until the angel comes down from heaven, takes the chain and binds him and puts him into the bottomless pit. That's found in Revelation chapter 20. Did you hear what he just said to him? I've done everything I've gone to do where the devil is concerned until that angel comes and binds him and throws him into the bottomless pit. I've done everything I'm going to do. And Brother Hagin said that came as a real shock to me. Now, Jesus said, I'll give you the four references that prove that. And I want to give you these four references this morning. And I want you to mark these down. Take note of these because this proves out the fact that we are now supposed to operate in the authority of God. And it will not take that long to do this because of the first uh, set of scriptures we've already covered. And that is the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20 and Mark 16, 17 and 18. The Bible says in Matthew 28... And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The Passion Translation says, All the authority in the universe has been given to me. Verse 19 then goes on to say, Go therefore. And the the Passion Translation adds, Go in my authority and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age Amen. Mark 16 then goes on to say, and I'm going to just read this from the Passion Translation for time's sake. 
And because this just adds, this is again a part of the Great Commission for us as believers in Christ Jesus. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out. Who will? They, us, the believers, will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. The understood subject of every one of those things is who? Us, believers. Is that not true? Do you see that? The second reference Jesus gave to uh, Brother Hagin was James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Passion Translation says it this way. It really does. <laughs> You're good. So then surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him. And he will turn and Run away from you. Now, see, I, I don't know about you, but that, I like that. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him and he will turn and run away from you. See, again, Hollywood has portrayed the devil to be such a, a big, bad hombre that we have to fear. What a stinking lie. We have authority over the devil. And when we use that authority in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible's telling us he's going to run from you. Everybody say, the devil will run from me if you resist him. But before you resist him, what are we called to do? We're called to submit ourselves to God. And this is the area a lot of Christians miss it in. Because when it says to submit to God, what is that referring to? It means submitting to, to God himself. It means submitting to the Holy Spirit and the things he speaks to our hearts. It means submitting ourselves to his word. And it means, now get this one, it means submitting yourself to the pastor or any other minister of the gospel that God's placed you under. Are you listening to me? Now, let me throw this out there. Submission... And agreement are not the same. In fact, submission only begins when agreement ends. Did you hear that? See, a lot of times, it's easy for me to submit. No, it's easy for you to agree. It's not always easy. In fact, most of the time, it's not easy at all to submit. What is it? See, what happens is, is a lot of times you'll see something in the Bible I might be up here preaching and showing you what the Bible says. And you think, yeah, I see that, but I don't want to do that. What is that called? Being unsubmissive. You're not submitting yourself to God's word. What happens with us as, as human beings is a lot of times when you see something in this Bible, your flesh begins to cry out and say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. For example, I don't want to go spend time with God in prayer. I'd rather watch television. That's your flesh. It's not your heart. It's not your heart. Your heart wants to spend time in the presence of God. And that's why you've got to say to yourself, I'm going to submit to God. And see, listen, when you come to understand who it is you're submitting to, you're submitting yourself to God. And the fact that God is always out for your betterment, doesn't that seem to make it a little bit easier? God is never going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the grace to do it. Did you hear what I just said? He'll never ask you to do something that's not going to make your life better. That's not going to improve your life. He always wants to make your life better. He always wants to bless your life. He wants to see your life go up higher. 
But many a time, he's going to speak something to us, and it's going to go contrary to our flesh, and our flesh doesn't want to do it. That's when you rise up and say, God, I believe right now, by your grace, I can submit to you and what you're telling me to do, and I'm going to step out and do it, because I know you're only out for my good. Hello? And when we submit ourselves to God, that's when we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. One of the translations that I heard for that word there, flee, is to run from you in holy terror. Woo! Come against the devil. Ah, He's the one running from us. Are you listening? Glory to God. Next. Almost done, guys. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Can you stick just a few more moments? This is the New Living Translation. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. The Passion Translation of verse 9 says, take a decisive stand against the devil and resist his every attack with strong vigorous faith again who is the understood subject in these verses you me we are supposed to stand strong against the devil we are to take a decisive stand against the devil and resist him resist every attack he throws our way with our strong faith are you listening you know i'm getting this as something how many of you guys put on the armor of god every day you know, God has given us the armor of God. And I have to admit that, I mean, I get in the Word and I'm, I have to admit that I don't do it every day. But I tell you, I, the more I'm coming to, to see things, the more I'm coming to understand just how important it is to put on the full armor of God. It's in Ephesians. And I don't have the time to go there right now. Look it up. Begin to confess that over your life. But part of the, the armor of God is the shield of faith. And that shield of faith was as big as one of those doors. It could block you out completely where nothing could get through, penetrate you from the front. Are you listening? And then another part of the armor of God is the sword of the spirit. The word of God. When the devil comes against you and you have this word in your heart, glory to God, you can resist him and tell him to go in Jesus name, knowing full well he's going to obey you. Are you hearing me? Glory to God. All right. And then finally, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. This was the last uh, one he gave to to, uh, Brother Hagin. Nor give place to the devil. The Passion Translation says, Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. What does that mean to us? That means we are not to give the devil any place in our lives. By yielding to anger. By yielding to lust. By yielding to lying. Or anything else of the devil. Because that then gives the devil an opportunity to manipulate us. And get us headed down the wrong pathway for our lives. A pathway of death and destruction. Did you hear that? We are not to give place to the devil. We are not to give place to the devil. So by simple deduction, if we're the ones supposed to not give place to the devil, meaning the devil cannot take any place in our lives unless we give him permission to do so, that means we would have authority over him or this wouldn't be true. Right? Do not give place to the devil. 
You do not give place to the devil. Everybody nod your head in agreement. Just agree with me, okay? Amen. Praise God. Now, in conclusion, and this is going to wrap it up about talking about our authority in Christ. I wanted to share. There's a lot more I could go with. Maybe God will have me come back the next time we're together. But I wanted to share one more scripture, and I believe this kind of sums it all up. This was the scripture in Luke 10, 19 from the Passion Translation. This is Jesus speaking to the 70, not his disciples, the 70. They have returned to him. They're all excited about what just happened. And, and, and they've been casting out demons in the name of Jesus and healing the sick in the name of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said to them. And this is what Jesus is saying to us. Everybody in this room, get a hold of this scripture. Write this scripture down. Luke ten nineteen says, Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his, speaking of the devil's kingdom. You will trample over upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Woo! That's powerful. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. What if you're not walking in that authority because you don't have the understanding of it? My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Many a Christian have the devil walking all over them instead of them walking all over the devil as we're supposed to be doing. Because they do not have the revelation of who they are in Christ Jesus and the fact that we have been authorized to rule and reign in this earth right now. Glory to God, friends. I'm telling you right now, Jesus ruled and reigned when he walked this earth and he did it with his words. And we're supposed to rule and reign in this earth today and we're supposed to do it with our words. Do you see that? You are not natural. I don't, it it does, I, oh, glory to God. You're not natural. You are a supernatural being. You are a supernatural being. God is living in you if you are born again. You are a child of God. His eternal life is in you. The spirit of the living God is in you. And all that God is, all of his power, all of his majesty, all all that he is, is in you. What does that mean? Let's rise up. Let's rise up and do what Jesus did. I'm so ready to see miracles and signs and wonders happening all the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was praying this last, last night. I was saying, God... I'm we're going to, the miracles are I'm telling you the miracles are going to be happening in this place and it's not just going to be happening through me it's going to be happening through all of us and glory to God it's going to be voiced abroad what's happening a celebration of life church in Bozeman Montana it's going to be voiced abroad of how they're in, in, in allowing God to show up and demonstrate himself through them and showing this world that our God is real that our God is all powerful that there's nothing That can stand against him. Woo! Let's do it. Let's get excited about this. You have been authorized. Woo! I'm a supernatural being. I 
can do what Jesus did. Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. I can speak to the wind and the waves. Now, let me just, just real quick, just real, one more thought. Just one more thought. Listen, that doesn't mean if you're like, I'm going to the beach today, so I'm, it's, it's thundering out, thunderstorming, and it's raining. Nothing that's causing you any harm, but you want to go catch some rays. So I rebuke you, thunder and storm. Go away. I want to get my rays. Well, what about the farmer that's standing over there on the other side of the field praying, Lord, let it rain. I need the rain for my field. What I'm talking about is when that storm is bringing danger to you or your loved ones. That's when you can speak to it. Isn't that what happened with Jesus? That storm was going to, I mean, the disciples, don't you care that we're going to drown? They thought they were going to drown because that storm was whipping and being knocked all over the place. So do you understand the importance? We can use our authority and do it just like Jesus. If anything the devil brings against us, if anything comes against us, we can use authority against it. Did you hear me? Every one of you in this room, if you're a child of God, you have been authorized to do what Jesus did. I am believing God and expecting to do what Jesus did. How about you? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for this word. We believe, Father God, that as we are looking to our, the Holy Spirit,